This is a carotid uh, endarterectomy. In this case, I don't see a bypass, but in some cases, yes, yes, it, it is a bypass over here. You see this? There is a bypass here. Uh-huh, yes. Okay. Uh, it's a remo removal of all of these, you know, ateromatose plaque from the, the inside of, of the carotid artery, and it's so hard, okay? Another, another way to, you know, treat a, an ischemic uh, stroke, okay? a thrombotic stroke, you can say, is by retrieving the, the clot that is occluding the, the vessel. But this has criteria. At this time, we don't, we don't go over there, but there is a protocol in order to do the thrombolytic. For example, if the patient is uh, just present with the stroke, that is uh, for more than 4.5 hours, uh, we need to analyze depending uh, where the clot is located, you know, and all of this. Uh, we, we, we can analyze the retrieval of the, of the clot, okay? It's a vascular surgery, it's done by um, what is the name? Uh, radiologist interventionist. Interventionist radiologist. Together with uh, neurologist and a whole of people over there. Okay, so this is one of the criteria. 4.5, after 4.5 hours, uh, it's out of the possibility to thrombolyze the, the clot, uh, we're gonna use a retrieval in some cases, okay? In some cases, just, I, I wanted to show you this, and the uh, carotid in that pedectomy as well. Um, there is a, a patient group and a treatment that we're gonna follow. If we have a patient group without cerebral venous sinus thrombosis, any of them. And the presentation is within three to 4.5 hours. And we don't have any exclusion criteria to perform the thrombolysis. We're gonna use a thrombolytic agent. Alteplase or 
another, I need to use the altar place with you because it's in, you know, in the book and so. And as an agent, 24 hours, listen, 24 hours after the thrombolysis. And as an agent, you use aspirin. Add aspirin, okay? And of course, supportive care, uh, you know, uh, avoiding venous thrombosis and uh, early mobilization of the patient. And uh, you can add uh, heparin, daltepirin, and oxaparin. Uh, we need to assess the swallowing, right? Because some of these patients, they can have a compromising, uh, you know, dysphagia. Make sense? And uh, endovascular intervention is the one uh, uh, we were talking about before, okay? Presentation after 4.5 hours, uh, contraindication to thrombolysis, is not gonna do some uh, benefits, okay? Aspirin, so supportive care, swallowing assessment, heparin plus clopidogrel, dipiridamol, we're gonna use all of this, okay? Remember, we need to treat the cause of this cerebrovascular accident. Aspirin is used in the acute setting. If after three hours and thrombolytics aren't given, or at least 24 hours after thrombolytics, that includes the, the first option, right? So, with cerebrovenous thrombosis, because sometimes the, the, you know, certain uh, venous sinuses are involved. Intravenous heparin or warfarin and adjusting to INR, or adjusting this INR, the target is two to three, okay? Plus supportive care, swallowing assessment, early physical therapy, Okay, plague complications, aspiration, okay, hypoventilation, subsequent pneumonia, aspiration pneumonia, for example, hypovolemia, because the patient is not drinking, right? Uh, hyponatremia, hyponatremia, inappropriate ADH, diuretics to diminish the, the intracranial pressure uh, or edema, right? Poor intake of sodium content, uh, fluids and food, hypotension, because we are using a lot of anti-hypertensive medication maybe, okay? Seizures, seizures because cerebral tissue that is damaged uh, is gonna be more excitable at this point. Okay, depression, uh, discouragement, you know, absence of, absence of disposition to, to get better. Uh, you know, it, and it's organic, it's organic, okay? Shoulder dislocation in the case of 
Which one? Anterior or middle? Anterior cerebral artery, middle cerebral artery. Huh? Anterior, no? Middle. No, you say anterior first. Okay, whatever. Anyways, peripheral nerve injury because improper position of the limbs that are suffering from a plagic condition and the arms need to be on a pillow as well as the legs and we need to you know uh, try to avoid the deep venous thrombosis in this patient um, pressure ulcer bed bound patient uh, they don't mobilize the patient they don't turn the patient to sides uh, urinary tract infection because the inwelling fall, uh, I mean, uh, folic hand or straight hand to evacuate the urinate, uh, to void. Um, excessive use of anticoagulants. Okay, if you don't remove aspirin or Plavix and you're using already because lack of communication in a hospital setting, you know, and uh, you you prescribe already the use of, because you, you know the cause of this problem is the heart, so you prescribe warfarin, but aspirin and Plavix were not removed, for example. Mm -hmm. Congestive heart failure, we have fluid overload, uh, the hyponatremia condition needs to be, you know, reestablished. The sodium needs to be uh, uh, replenished properly. Cannot be done like in a bolus or promptly because pontine myelolinesis. Uh, Okay. My yellow Oh my God. Help me here. My yellow line. My yellow line yeah, but it's, it's longer than that. Anyways. My yellow no license. Okay, thank you. Yeah. Okay. CT, uh, CT scanning, remember, is very important. It's a first-line imaging study in suspected stroke patient. is the one that is going to, uh, you know, rule out any bleeding, intracranial bleeding, and you can have this possibility everywhere in this country, of course. Um, intracranial hemorrhage, the one that are extra axial, like in the case of this occur outside the brain tissue, extra axial hemorrhage, like in the case of epidural, subdural, and subarachnoid hemorrhages, and intraaxial hemorrhage that are the intracerebral, or the one that happens in the, inside the ventricle of the brain. Okay, so 
the parenchyma, I mean, the brain is very uh, sensitive to anything that is outside of the blood vessel, every, you know, bleeding or pulse or any changes in, in the, any changes in, in the environment like uh, acidic condition, as, uh, metabolic acidosis, uh, all of these affect uh, highly the, the brain. So, hemorrhagic stroke, rupture of the, an artery, right? Hemorrhagic stroke, cerebrospinal artery, and this is going to result in intraparenchymal, subarachnoid, or intraventricular hemorrhage, right? Classification, primary and spontaneous. You don't know why, because you don't see any vascular malformation uh, associated to what happened here. Results from anticoagulation use, for example. Secondary, vascular malformation, like in the case of arteriovenous malformation or aneurysm. Medical or neurologic diseases that damage the coagulation or promote the vascular rupture. Okay, a tumor, a metastasis in the brain, a sympathomimetic uh, drugs of abuse, uh, hematologic malignancies, for example, all of this, okay? So, subarachnoid hemorrhage, bleeding within the subarachnoid space, uh, and we know where this lies, right? Between the pia mater and the arachnoids, okay? Most cases happens because a rupture of an intracranial aneurysm and uh, 20, 15 to 20% of patients that are presenting with subarachnoid hemorrhage, they don't have a vascular lesion uh, on initial four vessels, CD row and geography. You don't see any abnormalities over there. Um, the rupture berry aneurysm accounts for approximately the 75% of non-traumatic cases uh, or non-hypertensive cases of uh, subarachnoid hemorrhage and ha has a mortality rate of 50%. Etiology, cerebral aneurysm, arteriovenous malformation, Acute hypertension related to cocaine use or methamphetamine use, uh, traumatic vein injury, amyloid, and geopathy, all of them could be causes of subarachnoid hemorrhage. Okay. Uh, severe headache, the worst headache of my life is known as a thunderclap. Nausea, vomiting, photophobia, nuclear rigidity, okay? Uh, focal neurological findings as well. The CT, um, 
you can see the hemorrhage, uh, lumbar puncture is indicated if you don't have any sign of elevated intracranial pressure and or a CT is not telling you anything, right? So uh, lumbar puncture is indicated and of course um, the fluid, the cerebrovascular, uh, cerebral um, spinal fluid is going to turn uh, depending santochromic or uh, red if it's active, right? The bleeding. Uh, and geography, CTA is going to tell, tell us where the, if we have an aneurysm and where the aneurysm is, okay? So stabilize the patient if it's an aneurysm, surgery, flipping the aneurysm, or coiling the aneurysm, okay? Uh, it depends where the, the, I mean, in the case of a rupture aneurysm, the only thing you can do is stabilize the patient and follow the patient with all the, you know, treatment for protect the brain. If it's a leakage, what you find during the angiography, uh, organize a surgery to clip the aneurysm. In the case of arterial venous malformation, uh, it's complicated and it depends where the malformation is located. Okay. Embolization, endovascular coil embolization, the you need to enter with a cat and go until uh, locate the vessel and start coiling the aneurysmal sac. Okay, coiling the aneurysmal sac is the only possibility to, you know, stop this from bursting. And but in some cases. Um, in the case of um, uh, arteriovenous, you know, malformation, it's a series of surgery what you need to do with this patient. Because you can coil, depending the, the, the size of the arteriovenous malformation, you're going to coil this by sections until you, uh, uh, it's a lot of complication with this, okay? Rebleeding, acute hydrocephalus, uh, basospasm, subsequent damage of the area where the surgery was done or where the aneurysm burst. Okay? Uh, there's multiple sites associated with portation of aorta and polycystic kidney disease. Uh, it depends how the patient presents. Some patients complain from headaches constantly for years that looks like a tension headache without any focalization until somebody in the family appears to suffer from aneurysm. 
and uh, uh, it's one of the things that is telling you, okay, my patient will need a CT scan with, uh, you know, contrast and angiography to see what is happening over there. Okay. Mass effect, if it's huge and it's producing a cranial nerve palsy, like pupil dilation because anterior communicating artery is very common. Anterior cerebral artery is another common place. And a rupture is going to produce a subarachnoid hemorrhage. It's, it's, uh, it's huge. And let's pray, right? Because, okay. Clinical presentation, everything that you, you know already, depending the degree of this uh, bleeding, loss of, loss of consciousness. In the case of um, ha malignant hypertension, when uh, this happened, it's known as uh, ictus apoplecticus. Uh, it's a massive hemorrhage with a very, very rapid increasing in intracranial pressure and the majority of the cases you cannot do anything for the patient. Uh, sometimes the blood finds a way to drain into the ventricular system and, you know, go down to the, the central canal in the spinal cord. Ah, uh, but it's, it's difficult, okay? Other factors that you can have in, in mind, uh, more than 50 years age, female, Afro-Americans, altered mental status, uh, nuclear rigidity, unilateral, bilateral, cisplanial nerve pulses, intraocular hemorrhage, neurological, uh, focal neurological uh, signs, symptoms. Okay, so four main types, the sacular, sacular aneurysm, they have a very thin wall and they can burst very easily. Fusiform dilatation of the whole circumference of the vessel, very aneurysm, the one you're gonna find in the willy circle and mycotic aneurysm those are uh, produced by infected embolus or emboli, okay? Diseases associated with aneurysm, L-Dallus, polycystic kidney disease, coartation of the aorta, okay? Endocarditis, septic emboli, and you never know you have one on, unless they, uh, they burst. Okay, and uh, ask the patient about the family history. Okay, uh, it is it is kind of uh, important to have in mind in patients that are going to deliver, okay, pregnant uh, women during the delivering. There is a maneuver to reposition the fetus uh, that can increase the intra-abdominal pressure, and uh, this is gonna lead to increasing pressure along the arteries in the body, and 
subsequent uh, burst of an aneurysm that you don't know was there. Okay, it's just uh, this situation. Okay. Um, first test: CT scan, guys. CT scan. Check for hyperdense area that are telling us the presence of blood. Okay. Basal cisterns, the major fissure, the sulci, okay, leukocytosis. We can have leukocytosis in the CBC, clothing profile, elevated INR, prolonged PTT in the case of patient taking one, anticoagulant, okay. Serum electrolytes. Check for abnormalities in the serum electrolytes, okay? Hyponatremia essentially, troponin one elevated. Troponin can be elevated in any vascular event, okay? Electrocardiogram, any abnormality you, you can see there. Uh, there is a sign in, uh, in, um, in patients, there are no patients anymore. When a, 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 a person is declared or, um, you know, find it that it's a brain dead, okay, in uh, in an ele electrocardiogram, what is that? Um, absent weight of black EEG. No. S waves? It's an Osborne sign. It's the Osborne sign. Oh, in the CT or the EEG? Electrocardiogram. Oh, and the electrocardiogram. Yeah. It's the Osborne sign. Okay. So, uh, other tests to consider: lumbar tap, bloody could be bloody, santochromy, cerebrospinal uh, uh, fluid, uh, digital subtraction angiography. Try to find the aneurysm, computed topography and geography aneurysm, magnetic resonance to find the aneurysm, uh, any place uh, the aneurysm is. So remember again, CT is the standard diagnostic test for subarachnoid hemorrhage. Uh, it's more sensitive in initial uh, 24 hours, uh, but the CT scan may be normal with a tiny little small uh, subarachnoid hemorrhage because maybe what we have is not a rupture of an aneurysm, it's just a leakage that can happen as well, okay? DSA is the most beautiful one to visualize in aneurysm. Uh, but subarachnoid hemorrhage is based on the CT scan, okay? And lumbar puncture if we don't have any information in the CT scan. Okay, so um, subarachnoid acute treatment, evaluate the patient where the patient is at. Sometimes we need to intubate the patient because there's no breathing, connect the patient to a ventilator, 
um, uh, check for cardiopulmonary function. Um, I mean, if the patient needs surgery, uh, surgery needs to be done. Uh, calcium channel blockers for uh, treating the vasospasm prophylaxis or being a prophylaxis for vasospasm. Uh, we're going to use nimolipine. Still, stool uh, softener needs to be used when the patient recovers for obvious reason. We don't want uh, to elevate any intracranial pressure by balsalva, right? Treat the cough to avoid the same thing. Uh, the headache is gonna, we can use uh, at this point, uh, you know, uh, all of these uh, oxycodone, morphine, or fentanyl. For alter coagulation, if we have a coagulopathy, these need to be treated aggressively, and we're going to use fresh frozen plasma. And vitamin K, if necessary. Hyponatremia. Oh, central pontine myelo myelinolysis. Oh, my God. Okay. Uh, this, you know, replenishing of the sodium needs to be, you know, slow. Because if we are going to correct this hyponatremia very fast, the patient is not going to wake up never ever. Okay? So our correction rate is going to be 12 milliequivalent in 24 hours, and uh, we're going to check the sodium again. Okay? So this is a giant uh, posterior communicating artery aneurysm. This is, this is a digital subtraction angiogram. It's so beautiful, right? Uh, internal carotid artery. And this is the posterior communicating artery. It's giant. Okay. So... This is uh, the coiling, okay? The micro, this is the micro catheter, the catheter, the micro one, and the coiling. Uh, this is the clipper to clip the aneurysm. Uh, this is how you see the coils in, in the head, okay? Emerging statins, magnesium sulfate, Endotelin 1 antagonist. Okay, rebleeding is very common. Uh, complications, the same complications we have for the, uh, you know, the ischemic uh, stroke. But we need to add over here rebleeding. Oh, rebleeding. Okay. We are rebleeding here. Okay, acute hydrocephalus, chronic hydrocephalus. If it's chronic hydrocephalus, a shunt needs to be uh, established. Okay, we need to um, prevent the seizures. So one of the complications could be a seizure in the future. A neuropsychiatric problem as a complication.
from this. Okay, this is a subarachnoid hemorrhage here, all in here. Okay, hypertensive hemorrhage. Look at huge. This is a big one. Intracerebral, the causes we mentioned already, hypertension in basal ganglia, especially at the area of the basal ganglia, uh, etiology, all of this, hypertension, anticoagulant, uh, therapy, thrombolytic agents, uh, defects in the coagulation, um, hemophilia, liver disease, leukemia, all of these malignancies, arteriovenous malformation, um, you mentioned, Busco, uh, alcoholic disease, narcotic use, uh, trauma, traumatic brain injury, um, and you know, we can, we can find uh, this, uh, this hemorrhage any place in the, in the brain. This is an intracerebral hemorrhage that is huge. That can be trained, right? Uh, sometimes, yes. Sometimes can be trained. Uh, sometimes you need to wait and uh, protect the brain, protect the patient, induce a coma, and wait a little bit instead of aggressively go and, and drainage. It depends the protocol you have in the, in the place you work with, okay? Uh, clinical presentation of the intracerebral hemorrhage is an abrupt onset of focal neuro neurologic uh, uh, deficit and uh, it's gonna getting worse and worse. The patient arrives with altered um, you know, level of consciousness in a stupor of uh, coma already, and uh, with headache, with vomiting, and increasing intracranial pressure. Okay, uh, the most common cause is uh, sudden increase in the blood pressure. Uh, 50 to 60 percent of the cases present in this way. Uh, and because this elevation of the blood pressure, the liter vessels, they suffer from, you know, uh, degeneration in the, in, the, in the wall that is gonna lead to microaneurysm. Do you remember when we see the fundoscopic exam and this microaneurysm? Imagine this is one of the features of, of the, uh, one of the degree of the hypertension, okay? The same thing you're gonna see in the brain as well, okay? And this microaneurysm, depending on how elevated is the blood pressure, can rupture easily, okay? Uh, most likely in older patient, uh, this ischemic stroke that can turn into a hemorrhagic through other causes, amyloid angiopathy, anticoagulant, antithrombotic use, brain tumors, uh, 
metastasis, arterial, uh, arter artery venous malformation, and of course, uh, is an abrupt, you know, manifestation of this uh, symptom, and some cases the patient is, is just uh, going to die. Okay? What we're going to do is going to be supportive. We're going to control the blood pressure, avoid hypotension because you need the brain to be perfused properly. And this patient, they suffer already from high resistance, right? Uh, calcium channel blockers as a prophylaxis for subsequent vasospasm, okay? Correct the coagulation defect. Uh, bed rest with the head elevated, uh, surgical drainage, depend the site, depend the conditions of the patient, aneurysm, we need to clip or record, okay? This is another cerebral, uh, intracerebral aneurysm, a hemorrhage. Arterial venous malformation, look at this big one, it's huge. Okay. Uh, clinical manifestation, what are those? Depending where the, the malformation is located. Okay? They could be intracerebral, they could be uh, subarachnoid, okay? Uh, bleeding usually occurs before the age of 40. Okay? All, all Osler Weber reduced syndrome, the hereditary hemorrhagic telangiectasia is mentioned. Okay, the physical sign of bleeding may be focal or general. And of course, who's gonna tell you? CT scan with contrast, I mean uh, uh, angiography. Okay, and the surgery could be done if it's possible. Okay, if possible. Sometimes. When they're younger, when they're younger, right? When they're younger? Yes, yeah, yeah. In, in younger, I mean, I remember one case. This was uh, a Korean descendant boy because he, I mean, I had him like uh, four times. He's alive, he's still there. And I uh, was in the posterior fossa, very weird thing. And uh, we were doing this coiling by sections. Oh my God. And he's a nephew of one of my uh, co-workers. It was very hard. He was losing the sense of, of sight and uh, having all of these ataxy work and and they find out the cause was this arterial venous malformation in the posterior fossa. Uh, he's alive, he's good, he's a lawyer, he's okay. After the surgery, for the AD, they have risk for, for, for um, what, is, what do they have risk for? Huh? For, for just hemorrhage? No, 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 no. With uh, headaches and loss of sight, and they do no, an angiography. Surgeries? Ah, the surgery they... coiling in the... No, when they do the surgery for the AV malformation, right? 
right? When they're young. And then they're at risk for what? For the, for just a hemorrhage? No, no, they don't wait for anything. No, no, they're at risk. Ah, the risk, always a risk for hemorrhage, always a risk for anything. Yeah, you're always a risk. It's not like that you're cured. No, you're not cured. No, you're not going to be cured. An aneurysm, you can flip it, that's it. Arterial venous malformation, depending how big is that, if it's tiny little one, you can control and depending where is that as well, because many of the, the lesions in the brain result malignant not because it's in its cellularity or the biopsy, no. It's because the site where they are located. Because you cannot remove it from there. Understand? And these kind of things bleed or grow up or you know. So, subdura hematoma. This is so nice. Okay? Bridging veins. Guys, have this in mind. Okay? Bridging veins uh, from cerebral cortex to dural sinuses. Okay? Injury. Aquagulopathy. Anticoagulant therapy, okay, mainly in seniors, in older patients, is seen, okay, and uh, you can have this in a, into acute, subacute, or a chronic one. So um, mainly is an elderly patient that falls many times and now presenting with neurological focalization and uh, when when you do a CT scan you're gonna see a crescent shape density in the brain right and uh, acute 24 of injury with changes of consciousness associated with parenchymal injury in the majority of the cases you don't have focal sign and the mortality rate is high. The subacute, one to 14 days after the fall, they start with, uh, you know, neurological focalization. They can come with uh, hemiplegia or hemiparesis. They can have sensory alteration. You know, a headache is very common and a chronic, a trauma is I don't know when this happened. Okay, the patient presents after two weeks. The headache is one of the most common symptoms in all of these things, okay? And uh, one of the signs, dementia is a little bit strong, but it is, okay? A dementia or focal neurologic defects and 20% of chronic sudura hematomas are bilateral, cup and counter-cup, okay? Now, what happened here is, that's why they come with all of this situation, okay, crescent shape. The chronic one, uh, have you followed sometimes a bruise on your arm? 
that at the very beginning is red, then turn purple, then turn a little bit greenish, and then turn yellow. This is the same that is happening here. This was a hematoma, the breaching vein stopped from bleeding, but at a certain point, what happened is that uh, the degeneration of this hematoma start happening, okay? And gaining in fluids. Gaining in fluids, and of course, it's gonna press more the brain. And here you have all the, you know, the complainings and the focal neurological uh, signs and everything. Okay, that's why. Is the, is the hematoma evolving? Just the hematoma evolving. Okay? Epidural, this is serious. Middle meningeal artery. Okay? Middle meningeal artery. Okay? Fracture associated with fracture, 75 of the cases. Uh, Transient loss of consciousness from, from the initial injury, then the patient recover, okay? A little bit, lose it, and then loss of consciousness again, and um, increase uh, the sensorium is gonna continue being taken. If you don't act, the patient uh, continue Bleeding, pushing the brain, and it's much better to drain this epidural hematoma as soon as you can. Okay? Lenticular unilateral convexity, usually in the temporal region where the therion is, is the area that is the most weakest area in the in the skull, in the I mean in the in the school. So um, usually it doesn't cross the line, but could be, you know, fracturing in fragments or, you know, where the terium is. Mortality is 12, okay, 12%, and it's related to the preoperative condition. Because if you have the opportunity to drain this hematoma and control the bleeding, everything is going to result normal. Okay. Epidural. Remember, this is the classic presentation. The treatment is surgery, surgical evacuation, as well as the sudural hematoma. Okay. Huh? Evacuation of the hematoma. Then we need to admit the patient that has had head trauma which has caused either loss of consciousness for at least two minutes or skull fracture. We need to admit the patient, observe the patient. Okay? So I think we are good for this now. Any question about this? No? Okay, so uh, we have a little bit more.
Uh, take 10 minutes, please. It's extenuated. And this is very heavy. It's a heavy thing. It's, uh, I try to, I mean, just put in a little thing, but uh, it's a lot. It's, you know, it's like almost asking for forgiveness, you know. Anyways, no, it's true, because uh, these kind of things are very heavy. And uh, over here, after mental status, major and mild neurocognitive disorders, delirium, dementia, traumatic brain injury. Uh, we're going to have a look a little bit over traumatic brain injury and concussion and post-concussion syndrome. Okay, you're going to work with uh, students from you know, uh, high school, they are playing football and all the things that I don't know what they play, but these kind of sports are kind of heavy and hard and uh, make them, you know, uh, suffer from these sometimes contusions and the majority of the cases, concussions. So, the reticular activated system is very, very good for us to understand what it is. This reticular activated system integrates everything. Keep the tone, keep the balance, keep the posture, okay? Because uh, it's integrated too with the somatic motor control, okay? So integrates as well the visual, the auditory, the vestibular stimulus, stimuli, um, is uh, responsible for uh, sleep unconsciousness and pain modulation and habituation, things that we need to learn and do repetitively. Um, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a lot. But the vascular control is over there as well. Uh, the breathing pattern the swallowing, everything is integrated, even the gaze, uh, using the reticular formation, okay? So, how we evaluate the altered mental status? We evaluate the altered mental status uh, using something that is known as, uh, um, you know, Many tests, but anyways, I'm not going to go on the test. Let's go um, uh, on this. Checking a combination of the patient, levels of cognition of the patient, 
level of, uh, you know, attention, uh, unconsciousness, and, uh, and and see what is what is happening to this patient in the matter of attention. If my patient is losing attention, or my patient is disoriented, okay. This is how we are going to evaluate the altered mental status. So, um, patient that suffer from meningitis, that is the case we're gonna see tomorrow, for example. They, um, they may have problem with the consciousness sometime, okay? Alter sensorium and they are not very attentive, they don't pay attention to you, guys. Uh, but they know, they are oriented, they know where they are, they know the name, you know. They could be a little bit, uh, you know, like uh, lethargic, you can say, because they have an infection in the, in the head, okay. So, you know, they, they are not very, uh, the attention is not the best. You can see. Even they make an effort and they can tell you more details if you insist. Okay? So, in some cases, the patient, they, uh, they show alter level of consciousness plus alter level of cognition. Uh, in the case of this patient that suffered, uh, the older patient that suffered from an infection, urinary tract infection, or some other kind of, because they have maybe uh, bed sores or pressure ulcers, let's call this by its name, uh, you, you're gonna see the presence of delirium. And this is relatively very common in this kind of patient. And sometimes is uh, is not seen. This delirium is not seen as a consequence of a bad condition that can kill the patient. Oh no, this patient is crazy or has dementia, and it's something that appears abruptly. So uh, this is very important for us to make sure. Uh, the time you you are taking care of uh, older adult that is taken from a nursing home or an ALF and having this kind of you know uh, evaluation positive evaluation make sure that is not because uh, a subjacent pathology that can kill your patient. Okay. Potential etiologies for this, we have the cerebrovascular that they affect, this, this one affect directly the central nervous system and alter the mental status. And we just talked about this, the cerebrovascular accident, for example, the transient ischemic attack, uh, all of this hematoma, okay, epidural, subdural hematoma, uh, subarachnoid hemorrhage, they, they can alter the sensorium. Okay, they can alter uh, the mental status. The list of things that can alter the mental status is huge. 
Okay. Uh, traumatic, you mentioned, after a hip fracture, after any fracture the, this patient can have, um, you know, or mainly hip fracture, the older patient is, uh, you know, no complaining of this, and it's a blood loss, it's like a more than 500 milliliter of blood, and uh, it's a trigger for delirium in a, in a frail, older adult patient, for example. The neurologic dementia, delirium, seizures, status epilepticus, uh, post-ictal status, tumors, um, hypertensive cephalopathy, or non-convulsive status epilepticus, uh, wernicke encephalopathy, um, you mentioned uh, uremic encephalopathy can alter the mental status. Everything can alter, alter the mental status. Burn, okay? Uh, systemic diseases uh, like cardiac disorders, uh, myocardial infarction, congestive heart failure, um, pulmonary embolism, um, carbon monoxide poisoning, for example, uh, arrhythmias, uh, all of these diagnoses, all of these pathologies can result in an altered mental status. Okay? Psychiatric condition of the patient, bipolar disorder, uh, acute psychosis uh, can alter this uh, mental status. Hypernatremia, hyponatremia, hyperglycemia, hypoglycemia, hypo, hypo and hypercalcemia, uh, dehydration, hepatic encephalopathy, uremia, hyperthermia, hypothermia, hypercarbia can alter the mental status. Adrenal insufficiency, problem with the thyroid gland, thyrotoxicosis, myxedema. I mean, it's a, it's a long list of uh, infectious, all the acute infections you can find, okay? Uh, pneumonia, UTI, uh, soft, soft uh, tissue infections, uh, cholecystitis can, can lead to an altered mental status as well, meningitis, encephalitis, all these neurosyphilis, brain abscess, uh, brain tumor, can alter the mental status as well. Yes, everything can alter the mental status. So for psychiatric, I was just thinking, schizophrenia, you wouldn't put that on there because it's like, is it more so like, is it a personality disorder, more or less? Um, schizophrenia in, a, in an acute burst altered the, I mean, it's a constant alter mental status, but when they are compensated, they can, I don't know. I'm not very good in psychiatric things. Believe me, but <laughs> uh, acute psychosis for sure. Again, uh, delusions, hallucinations. I mean, the schizophrenic they have everything. It's like a big flower in the garden, no? It's having uh, these uh, hallucinations, auditory hallucinations, no? is having um, 
neologism is inventing words that means that they have meanings. So it's, I mean, they don't damage themselves. They damage the next. This is what I need, I, I, I know about schizophrenic people. Okay, so <laughs> depression, depression that can lead to catatonia. You know what is that? Catatonic stage? You, you're, you're studying psy psychiatric now, psych, um, psychiatry. No? Oh, uh, catatonia is, is the, it's like a frozen state for this patient. They are so depressed, they cannot move. They don't move from, I mean, some of them, they stand all day long, you pass by, put the arm like this, and they stay there, they don't need. It's in a high risk for their life. Catatonic state. Okay? Um, gastrointestinal, mesenteric ischemia, all of these vascular uh, damage that can lead to accumulation of toxins and so, can lead to an altered mental status, appendicitis, constipation, uh, associated with hypercalcemia. Rings a bell? What is this? Related to? Parathyroid gland, right? Okay. I know you don't have anything about the endocrine system. You need more. <laughs> Exogenous. Okay, alcohol withdrawal. Alcohol toxicity. <laughs> drug toxicity. I mean, when you start taking a drug, drug withdrawal, bless you. Okay? So you have the mnemonics over there. Okay? The temperature, everything. A space occupying lesion. Don't forget any of these. They are, they are very good. This, this, uh, um, mental status causes a, 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 uh, a, E, I, O, U tips. Elementary school tips. Okay, labs, test, electroencephalogram, electrocardiogram to determine the cause, CMP, CBC with differential, electrolyte panel, liver function test, urinalysis for drugs, toxicologic examination, right? Blood alcohol for alcohol, I mean, use of alcohol, aspirin, Tylenol, excess of Tylenol. What is happening, guys? Too much Tylenol. Tylenol. Huh? Beautiful. Too much, too much Advil, ibuprofen. Too much ibuprofen. You're saying the kidney. Okay. So carbon monoxide. We need to check the carbon monoxide when it's necessary. Okay? TSH when your suspicions are. Okay? CT scan of the head. Okay, in the case of trauma, falling, uh, stroke, all of this. Uh, lumbar puncture, 
for meningitis, for suspicious hemorrhagic stroke, okay? Abdominal ultrasound for any uh, possible intra-abdominal infection, right? And uh, in, the, uh, in the case of the older patient, think in sepsis all the time if the delirium or the altered mental status of this person is brand new or appears for the first time, okay? So what happened, history of the presentation, allergies, medication, all of the things that you know how to do, the physical examination, everything, right? And assessment of altered mental status. We're gonna assess the consciousness, level of consciousness, by Glasgow Coma Scale, mainly in the case of trauma, right? Mini mental status in the case of dementia, CAM in delirium, and rapid screen for con confusion, concussion, and this is a table for confusion assessment method for concussion. Let me tell you something. You don't need to know this. It's just a table for you to see that when you assess a person that is having a confusion, you want to, you know, go over uh, that when this started, and the majority of the cases, you're gonna start with the caregiver, asking questions to the caregiver, okay? Uh, just the inattention the, pa the, the patient demonstrates uh, the way the patient is having a disorganized thinking and the altered level of consciousness by uh, all of these uh, conditions. If it's normal, it's alert. If it's hyper alert, it's vigilant. Drowsy yet easily aroused, stupor. Unarousable is the coma. Um, Remember, this consciousness is in the, post, the Glasgow coma scale, okay? Acute confusional state is delirium. Sepsis sundowning. What sundowning is? At the end of the day, the light changes. Ah, you studied this already in psychiatry? No. Oh. Okay, so... Uh, uh, it is important for us to, to evaluate the patient we have in front of the eyes, right? So if the patient is having a delirium, this acute confusional state, we're going to find the, the medical causing this condition in the first place, okay? We're going to use all of these... Uh, uh, Evaluation, just in case we have uh, a drug abuse in the, in the middle of this situation, or if the patient stopped from drinking or stopped from taking drugs, for example, okay? So we know that alcohol abuse is the most common cause of delirium, specifically when we have this little green man in the room, over there, okay? Delirium tremens. So, um, sepsis on downing, uh, 
At the end of the day, the, the light changes and the condition of the patient, mainly in the uh, older patient, it has the tendency to get worse. That's why uh, they change the lights in the rooms. They try to, uh, you know, keep the same, uh, you know, environment all the time in order to avoid the, the worsening of the altered mental status of this patient at the end of the day. Can a demented patient or a major cognitive patient alter uh, half delirium? Yes, they can go together or appear at the same time if my patient that is having a, a major cognitive disorder is having an infection that is not treated. Understand? Okay, this is the case of Alzheimer's patient. Okay, the, they are not at the end yet, and they're having an infection, nobody knows how, and out of the blue, they, they have a terrible men, uh, altered mental status. So we need to look for another cause. Yes? No, the patients that have the, the end stage, the cancer patients with the, with the ammonia buildup, not too with the delirium? Of course, of course, uh, a patient with the... Uh, of course, it's one of the, the causes. Mm -hmm. Okay, so um, remember, uh, uh, well, uh, uh, traumatic brain, brain injury, medications, all of these uh, <laughs> is rapid in onset, short term, and reversible. Fluctuate hours to weeks, and uh, Decrease in per attention, span of lack of environmental awareness, uh, cognitive change, memory deficit, disorientation, language disturbance, possible also visual illusion, hallucination can happen. Um, it's a rapid onset establishment, and uh, we need to find out the physical condition. And we have here uh, a vignette, 75 female, who for the past three, four days has been crying easily, confused, rambling incoherently. Uh, her medical history is remarkable for mild dementia and well-controlled hypertension. She has never had anything like this in the past, and she has not had any recent changes to her medication. And when questioned, uh, she has no difficulty articulating a sentence, but difficulty remembering what she was asked, okay? Laboratory results came out with uh, leukocytosis. So this is how you know, a mild cognitive disorder patient that is having delirium because he's having a sepsis, okay? Just uh, evidence of cause of physical condition. Uh, again, concealed delirium in older patient, and we need to test for everything, all the causes that we can imagine. The, the thing is that they normally come with the cause already. 
because maybe they fall or maybe they having a urinary tract infection or a pneumonia without treatment and you know the older uh, patient is complicated or intra-abdominal infection that is not treated or is having, a, a, you know, any other situation. So you're going to test your patient uh, in order to find out what is happening. Okay. Major and mild neurocognitive disorders. Guys, there's a differenti differentiation between the major and the mild. The neurocognitive disorders, the major are significant changes uh, in cognitive, in cognition. The cognition is, is serious. The cognition is affected, affected seriously. Uh, and the patient cannot have an independent life uh, and require as, assistance with the, the, the complex things that the patient needs to do daily, you know, uh, like using a phone or cook the food, instrumental uh, daily activities, uh, daily living activities. So um, this is a major neurocognitive disorder. A mild one is the one that does not interfere with independence in daily activities in this patient. Okay, they can pay their bills, they can uh, manage medication, uh, and, but you need to help them doing something. This is a mild neurocognitive disorder, okay? So in the case of the major, they have a marked deterioration of the neurocognitive function. In the case of mild, they don't have such a problem yet. Okay? The, the next step is for us to know that essential for diagnosis, all of those are neurocognitive domain, like the perceptual motor function, the language, learning and memory, social cognition, complex attention, executive function, and of course, uh, in the case of major um, alteration, they cannot complete their activities. So they will need, they are dependent of another person or a, a, a caregiver, okay? Essentially, the progressive intellectual function is gonna decline, learning and memory is gonna uh, decline. Uh, the age is the main risk factor followed by a family history and vascular disease risk factor because believe it or not the vascular dementia is one of the most common one. Okay. So clinical presentation uh, Self-reported memory loss. I'm not telling you about the benign memory loss that I, I forgot my car key almost every day in the office and I need to come back. 
or Professor Dejano leaving the card and the keys for his house in my office. <laughs> and uh, we are helping each other to find things all the time. So this is a benign, you know, forgetfulness. Um, yes, okay, forgetfulness, yes. Oh my God, you see? <laughs> okay. <laughs> So uh, cognitive impairment is gradual and is progressive. Forgetfulness is going to be present, but it's, it's not that I know that I forget, that I forget things. So I need to go back and remember what I forget. I have this capacity, so I'm, I'm good still, okay? Difficulties retaining new information. Um, uh, they don't. They don't remember recent events. They don't remember any e events. Even they don't remember if they take a, a shower or ate like uh, 15 minutes ago. Okay. Uh, handling complex uh, tasks like uh, you know taking care of your bills and your your bank account and so. Reasoning, they cannot cope with something that can happen like, uh, uh, I don't know, leaking in the bathroom or something like this. Something that, you know, just calling a, a plumber, you, you're going to solve the problem, you know. They are losing at the end the spatial ability and orientation. Even you're getting lost in your own house and you think the closet is the bathroom and the living room is your bedroom or the office where you work maybe is the kitchen of your home and you set the fire there. For example, uh, language and behavior. Uh, they, they even lost the possibility to feed themselves. They don't know what the fork is and how the fork is handled, for example, or how to put the food in their mouth at the end, okay? Causes are reversible. Things that happen, uh, infection in the central nervous system, okay? Neurosyphilis, professor, this is not reversible. But you can treat it and make it better, okay? The damage is there already, but you can make it better. Metabolic and nutritional dementia, like in the case of vitamin B12 deficiency. Professor, but the damage in the spinal cord is permanent. In some cases, yes, it's permanent, but you can make it better. Inflammatory dementias the vasculitis that involve the cerebral blood vessel, dementia that is caused by a structural defect impinging on the brain, like a, like a subdura hematoma, like a tumor in the brain, for example, or like uh, abscess, brain abscess, or brain metastasis that you can remove. Normal pressure hydro hydrocephalus that wet, wobbly, and wacky. Is this patient, the normal pressure hydrocephalus, let's say it's a, 
older patient, more than 60 years old, that is having uh, incontinence, this gait instability. They uh, walk in this with a very wide uh, base for gait. And they have an excess of CD respinal fluid that you need to chunt. Okay? You need to chunt. Chunting this is going to be a, a part of solving of the problem. And um, as well, this patient is walking, uh, 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 talking uh, weird. Okay? Um, and this is kind of common, okay? An endocrine-related dementia like hypothyroidism. <laughs> You're not gonna escape from here. Okay, so I'm gonna finish in here because you did so good that you deserve to finish right now. Thank you so much. There you go. Okay, uh, listen. Please.